This is the Wintrust Business Lunch. Jennifer Streaks joins us, senior personal finance reporter at businessinsider.com. Jennifer, thanks for giving us some of your time today. Definitely. Thank you for having me. I'm intrigued by this idea that there are maybe some tax deductions we're overlooking. I didn't think there were many tax deductions anymore at all because of the standard deduction. Yeah, it depends on whether or not you want to take the standard deduction or if you want to itemize. And for some, it might be to their advantage to itemize, especially if you do have deductions that you can take. Well, isn't there a threshold? Because the standard deduction for a married couple filing jointly is 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 like $27,000, something like that? Something like that. It is. But if you have mortgage interest, if you have charitable contributions, if you have out-of-pocket, unreimbursed medical uh medical expenses, you would be surprised how itemizing could outpace your standard deduction and make it, you know, really bring down your taxable income. Yeah, well, I think we're all for that. I suppose most folks take the standard deduction, but if those numbers total more than the standard, then itemize. Um, Is there an income threshold to be eligible to itemize, or does that not matter? Not as much. It's just you need to make sure that what you're itemizing is outside of the standard deduction. Now, for medical deductions, if you have medical expenses that are unreimbursed, it's 7.5% of your AGI, your adjusted gross income. So you have to look out for that. But just in for me, for example, I had a lot of dental work done last year. And I had to pay for a lot of it out of pocket. So I would definitely look into whether or not I was eligible to deduct some of those expenses. But, okay, but but then you take your adjusted gross income, and uh-huh. then those expenses have to be more than 7.5% of your AGI, those un- unreimbursed medical expenses? It has to be more than 7.5%, correct. That, right. Okay, so that's um, maybe not for everybody, but if you have a very expensive medical year, and who doesn't anymore, then, yeah. <laughs> then, then maybe you cross that 7.5 threshold. What about state income taxes? We don't get to deduct those from our federal return, do we? Well, if, if you owe the last time that you filed, then you can include the amount with your state tax itemized deduction for your return. Now, there is a limit. The maximum is $10,000 per year. And then the other area you said was charitable contributions. Is that every yes. do, every dollar counts, or how does how do you calculate that? Almost every dollar counts. It depends. It has to be a qualified nonprofit organization, and you would be surprised what adds up. At the end of the year, I am donating items to the Salvation Army, or if I'm working with a soup kitchen and I'm making soup or food to donate to the soup kitchen. That counts if you are driving around, picking up items to donate. That counts. You can actually deduct $0.14 per mile if you're driving around specifically for a charity. Even if you are wrapping gifts to donate to a shelter for the holidays, and the wrapping paper, the stamps, the tape, all of that adds up. 
One other um, article at businessinsider.com. We don't have time to get into detail here, but at least let's hit on it and folks can find out more. Four places mm-hmm. to put your money if mortgage rates are too high. So if I don't want to pay six plus percent for a mortgage and maybe therefore I have some money and it's not going to go to work for me with, say, rising real estate values. That's what you're talking about here. Where is mm-hmm. a place to put extra cash that is not real estate. What are you talking about there? A high yield savings account. You know, the one benefit of inflation is that the percentages that you're getting now for your high yield savings account is higher. So you can definitely swap away from some money there, maybe for your emergency fund. Also, and this is what I'm always going to say, pay off debt. <laughs> that is paying yourself. That's putting money back in your pocket to pay off debt. Yeah. So if you're if you're still carrying credit card debt, we know that the um, APR on credit cards are really really high right now. Paying off debt is putting money back in your pocket. So definitely look into that. Yeah, that's like a twenty percent return on your investment. Although exactly, s- you you wrote as of published time CD rates are as high as 6.5%. So more to find out at businessinsider.com. Jennifer Streaks. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Bree Fowler is a senior writer at CNET.com. She joins us most uh, Thursdays about this time. Hey, Bree, thanks for giving us some of your time today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm not up to speed on this lawsuit against the, the big tech companies that New York is issuing. Catch us up on this. Well, I feel like every time I talk to you, there's another lawsuit against social media by somebody. Um, This one has been filed by New York City, its school district, and its public hospital system. And they're suing the tech giants that run Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and YouTube, um, saying that their social media platforms are fueling childhood mental health crises and disrupting the learning process and draining resources. That's a lawsuit? You can do that? That sounds so gigantic and vague. And I, I mean, I get it, but really, you can sue somebody for that? Yeah, I mean, well, this is America. You can sue people for anything. But, I mean, they're, they're saying that they have suffered damages because they are being forced to spend millions of dollars every year dealing with health care crisis uh-huh. and dealing with, you know, learning issues and kids being behind and and things like that. Um, you know, especially when you look at New York City public schools, it is the nation's largest school district with a million children. Um, and, and a lot of those kids are spending a ton of time online. So the defendant here isn't like somebody that was standing behind Mark Zuckerberg, say, at that <laughs> hearing in, in, in the Senate um, last week. It's because that would be interesting if a parent said, my child is suffering because of these platforms that sort of catch the kids and pull them in, and therefore we're going to sue you. But it's the hospital or the school or the city that's issuing the suit, right? Filing the suit. Yeah. It, it, I mean, dealing with things like bullying and body image issues, you know, no one argues that, that these platforms don't cause those problems, especially dealing with teenagers. I have friends that are school counselors in New York City public schools, and they're dealing with with these issues every day. Talk to a teacher. They'll tell you that. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? School counselors and mental health treatment and therapists and things like that, that all costs money. But what did they do wrong? I'm, I'm just reading your story here. It says because they said they exploit children by deliberately designing features that keep them endlessly scrolling and checking their accounts. So that's the crime right. here, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it's they're, they're claiming, and this is not me saying this, this is the lawsuit, is saying that they are making these platforms deliberately addictive, that they just suck kids in and that they are designed to do that. Um, You know, you look at something like YouTube. I watch my nine-year-old watching stuff on YouTube, and it autoplays video after video. He doesn't have to do anything to make it go, but he would have to do something to make it stop. It's interesting, though, because what you're asking these companies is to design software or a product that is less attractive, that will earn less money for them. Um, I, I guess you can do that. I, I sound like I'm defending Facebook here. I don't intend to, but I'm, I'm still trying to you know, get my finger on maybe what the remedy is. So then, okay, those, those things are addictive. Are, is, are, do they, are they asking them to do something particularly? Yeah, they're asking for uh, the, the the courts to declare that the company's conduct is a public nuisance that needs to be abated, um, meaning that they would have to do something to fix that. Um, and they're asking, of course, for unspecified monetary damages. And, you know, it, this is just yet another lawsuit on the pile. And it, I think it's more about awareness and just showing, you know, what these platforms are doing. Now, you can say that, yeah, it's just good business for them to to make their, their platforms enticing and to get more users and to get people to spend more time on those platforms because that's how ads get eyeballs yeah. and that's how they make money. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it, maybe the court of public opinion will start weighing in on this too. Well, I think a lot of people are very frustrated, but I wonder if they're suggesting that they didn't just make their products easier to use, say that uh, next video automatically loads, but I wonder if they conspired to make them addictive, where they're sitting there going, here's how we hook them. You know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know if it's so much about, you know, you can argue whether it's just making it easier to use or making it addictive um, because, you know, it, it, it's kind of a perspective thing there. Um, it's good business for them to keep people using it uh, and to make it easy to use. We all like tech that's intuitive. No one likes tech that is super, you know, inside baseball, hard to use. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of- there's a lot of that out there, too. Uh, okay, we'll let the court settle that, or maybe it'll come to Illinois. In the meantime, uh, talk about maybe, this is interesting to me. In May, Waymo announced that its robo-taxis would be able to carry passengers throughout most of Phoenix for the first time, through the Phoenix area. So uh, self-driving taxis, you get in. Tell it where you want to go, and it takes you there automatically. That's that's mm-hmm. the idea. So Waymo is a company that makes these taxis, or do they just make the software? They, they make kind of the system that goes with it. Um, and, yeah, definitely the software. And they are owned by Google's parent, Alphabet. So this is part of the, the Google industrial complex. And what's happened um, here? Well, uh, they're issuing a recall, and this is their first recall ever, due to a software problem that... Um, was a concern after two of its vehicles hit the same pickup truck, which was in the process of being towed. 
Um, apparently, uh, the incidents happened in Phoenix in December, and a Waymo vehicle struck a pickup truck that was being towed backwards uh, across a middle turn lane. And a few minutes later, a second car hit the same pickup truck. So, you know, obviously some tweaks needed to be made in the software to kind of fix that. And they did put out a software update after that. But now they're recalling uh, potentially about 444 of their autonomous autonomous vehicles. Wow. So this is really happening. If I go to Phoenix, I'll see upwards of 500 autonomous vehicles driving people around, huh? Well, not right now because they're being recalled. Yeah. But in theory, yeah, um, I have not. I've not been out to Phoenix, so I haven't seen these myself. But I find it super interesting for sure. Yeah, I do too. And you know, interesting slash terrifying. If you're a Phoenix listener, <laughs> and I know we have people in Phoenix, uh, feel free to text me and tell me what that looks like or is like. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. And in the meantime, Bree, let's you and I visit another day. Thank you for your help. Thanks for having me. Bree Fowler is a senior writer at CNET. God, we take this moment just to give you thanks. We thank you for this time to come together as a family, as friends, and as a country. Help us, Lord, especially this Lent, to grow closer to you. Amen. Do you see this uh, ad on the uh, Super Bowl? Stay prayed up. That's, of course, uh, Mark Wahlberg, who is very forward about his faith. And there he was doing an endorsement, a Super Bowl commercial that ran in the Chicago market and elsewhere for the Christian prayer app called Hallow, which is actually a company based in Chicago. Alessandro DeSanto is the CFO of Hallow and joins us on WGN. Alessandro, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. So great to be with you. And I guess congratulations. I understand that... This ad did everything you want a Super Bowl ad to do, huh? Uh, glory be to God. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty crazy week over the last week. A, a million new people have been giving the app a try, and uh, as of right now, we're the number one app in the App Store of, of all apps, above TikTok and Google and Netflix and everything else. So it's been just been a huge blessing. What does it do? What it describe the features on the app for me? Yeah, so it's audio-guided prayer and meditation. So if folks are familiar with any kind of meditation app, maybe a Calm or a Headspace or something like that, is that same basic user experience, um, but for prayer, uh, coming from the, the Christian tradition. Um, you know, obviously nobody needs an app to pray, right? Prayer is what happens in the silence of our own hearts. But in the same way, you don't need a gym membership or a trainer to get physically fit. Uh, it can often be helpful to have kind of that guide with you to either teach you new things or help you remember the words or um, just uh, tee up some topics or thoughts for for reflection. Is it free? Yes, yeah, so it's free to download. Most of our permanently or most of our most popular content is permanently free. You can kind of use it forever and we have millions of people doing that. There's an optional upgraded premium subscription, which is $70 a year, which unlocks some additional content. Um, and is how we keep the app going in terms of our team and everything. Yeah, well, I'm wondering about that then. I mean, I guess that's true for any app. How do you monetize it? Just from a business standpoint, and then I want to talk to you about the messaging and, for that matter, the Super Bowl ad, but um, is this a financially viable app right now? Uh, Yeah, so we've been super blessed. We've been able to raise some institutional funding over the past uh, five years since we've been around. Uh, We have a team of kind of mid-'80s full-time employees, 
um, across 10 countries. So the app's available in seven languages. It's a, it's a global app. Um, you know, I think really we felt advertising was not a good approach to go. We're super sensitive uh, and protective of, you know, user data, and we don't want to make people feel like they're being kind of judged or watched while they're, you know, going through their, their spiritual journey. And so we felt that the best way to align both the financially sustainable part, um, but also investing in kind of world-class product with the user experience was to have that user subscription, where it's really about if you feel called or able to kind of invest in your prayer life, um, then you're kind of um, putting forward the way that we're going to be able to uh, produce more and more content. And so we've been, you know, really blessed. Over 16 million people have downloaded the app and, uh, and you know, 4.9 star reviews and, and all of that. So we've just, um, we really think that the mission and the model go together in this case. 16, one, six million people have this app on their phones, huh? Correct, yeah. Um, and is it Catholics or is it Christians? I mean, I guess it could be anybody, but is it sort of geared in, in, in a particular, for a particular denomination? Yeah, so we as a founding team mostly come from the Catholic tradition, but one of our most important kind of goals is um, accessibility as a, as a brand and as an experience. You know, there's a lot that is trying to drive us apart in this world and focus on all the things we um, disagree about, but one of our goals is to help try and bring people together with the message of peace and unity and um, really create a space where regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey or um you know, whether you've ever prayed before, you know, we can help give you the tools to kind of start that conversation with God, coming from a kind of Christian mindset, at least in the background, mm-hmm. um, and then really leave the rest of that conversation between you and God. So something like, although we don't ask and it's not part of your profile, we do anonymous surveys every once in a while, and something like 30 to 35% of our users are, are non-Catholics, which is, you know, an excitingly large number for something that also has, like, the rosary, for example. Yeah, I can imagine. Alessandro DeSanto is on the line, the CFO of the Chicago-based app called Halo, Halo.com. So is it, um, so it, did that commercial run nationwide or just in select markets? In the top 14 largest economic zones uh, for CBS, who is the network who hosted the, the, the Super Bowl this year, that's estimated about 50-ish percent of total viewers. Um, you know, obviously, that depends on where people tune in. So do they give you a discount then on the ad rates, or do you pay $3.5 million instead of $7 million? Thank God it was, it was a discount. It was a little, little less than half. You keep saying, thank God and glory to God. I wonder... And I, I understand you're sincere about that, but I wonder how delicate the messaging gets. Like, if you really want to promote an app and it's prayer-based, how tempting would it be in the creative meeting to say, this will get you closer to God, or, or any other clever idea that you would come, with, come up with? I, I would imagine that would be both an opportunity and a conundrum for you all. Yeah, I think certainly from the element of mission, you know, we are trying to help people get there, but it's not something we can do on our own, right? We need to be relying on, on God for that, and it's ultimately um, Him that will lead us into relationship with Him. I think we're trying to do our best as stewards to try and help people figure out how that works for them, right? Everybody prays differently. Um, you know, when it comes to mobile apps and digital technology, people talk a lot about things like gamification yeah, uh, and, you know, incentivizing people. And so we want to help people develop the habits that they're trying to get to. So there's a little bit, you can set routines and reminders and things like that. But, you know, we're certainly not going to say like, hey, do these five things and, and you'll get to heaven. Uh, you know, certainly the, the Catholic Church has had some uh, not great track record with some, uh, you know, extended uh, gamification. 
And so, you know, that's not, we're, we're really, really focused on not going down that path and just being genuine about what we can and can't do and leave the rest between you and God. I'm not familiar with the Catholic Church gaming up their faith. Is that something I missed? I'm not sure what you were referring to there. I was just thinking maybe more uh, in the past, things like indulgences, like trying to buy your way into, uh, oh, okay. into good graces and things like that. But yeah, that's that's not what that's well, not what you know, about. the problem with that commercial you ran with Mark Wahlberg, you want to know what the problem with it was? Can't wait to know. <laughs> it just wasn't funny, Alessandro. Come on. This is a Super Bowl. Ad. There were no frogs, no horses, nothing. It's just a guy going, hey, I invite you to pray and be the best you can be. And then there's pictures of families and soldiers and people praying. That's that's not going to cut through the clutter of a Super Bowl party, sir. Well, you know, in, a, in the, maybe the same way that a hot summer day and a busy family weekend, there's nothing better than sitting down and having a simple cold glass of water. I think in a world that's so crazy and distracted, I think a little bit of peace might be able to cut through that chaos. Yeah, well, it obviously did. And maybe it was the contrast, too, right? I mean, you know, it's just soft music and Mark Wahlberg looking at you and then cutting to some of those scenes I described. Did you expect that it was going to work as well as it did? What was your hope for that? Yeah, I think anything at that scale is a big gamble, obviously. And, you know, we, we both took it to personal prayer and felt called toward in that way. But also from a business case perspective, you know, we want to be prudent. And I think what really got us motivated by, you know, it's really only every 14 or 15 years that Super Bowl Sunday is the Sunday immediately preceding Ash Wednesday, oh, which yeah. kicks off the, the season of Lent, uh, which was yesterday and is usually our biggest time of the year as people kind of commit in a renewed way to 40 days of kind of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in the Catholic tradition. And so the timing, I think, was also quite compelling and I think is in large part what contributed to all the follow-on effects and people taking notice um, and, and being number one in the App Store. Wahlberg, I guess, was a natural for you all, or did you consider other celebrities? Yeah, so we, are, we have over 10,000 things in the app. We work with dozens of Catholic and Christian um, leaders, both lay leaders, religious leaders. Um, so there's, there's a lot in the app. Uh, we've been doing a lot with Mark. He's really focused on making this next part of his career really centered on, on his faith, which he's been both public and unapologetic, but also unassuming and really inviting about in a really you know accessible way. And I think that balance of, you know, this is important to me and I want to defend it, but also... I don't want to force this down your throat. And, you know, as he talks about publicly with his kids, like trying to create an attractive example so that they journey proactively towards that and want that as opposed to trying to kind of force people to do things. So I think he was great from that. We started working together a few years ago when he produced uh, the movie Father Stew about a Catholic priest. And so we're able to do some great stuff together. And he became really motivated by the mission. We really love his sincerity and approachability. And so it was definitely a win-win. Alessandro DeSanto, CFO at Hallo, H-A-L-L-O-W, uh, on the App Store. It's number one this week, and on the strength of that ad that featured Mark Wahlberg inviting you to pray. Well done. Well, uh, congratulations to everybody over there, Alessandro. Thanks for your time today. Thanks so much. And if people are looking for one specific thing to do, it is Lent, and we have a daily reflections on Lent up through Easter. So if you're looking for something to get started with, that might be a good place to look. Thanks so much. It's been a, a pleasure. Yeah, ours too. It's 1246. By the way, I did see a meme, and it said something like, not all Boston guys are created equal. And one image is, pray this Lent with Mark Wahlberg, him looking sincerely at the camera. And the other one is Ben Affleck striking a pose in his Dunkings jersey with a very sad Matt Damon in the background.
That ad, by the way, for Dunkin' Donuts was running on the video board at my Dunkin' Donuts this morning, and it's hilarious. You could not have a bigger contrast, could you? And both ads seem to work. More business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Chicago's O'Hare International Airport will get $40 million in new federal grant money. The funding is part of nearly $1 billion being awarded to 100 airports across the country as part of the Biden administration's infrastructure law passed several years ago. The new funding's on top of $50 million already awarded for work on Terminal 3. This latest funding will go to increasing the width of the Terminal Central Passenger Corridor, reconfiguring the TSA checkpoint, and updates to the baggage system. Deer and Company shares declined after the company trimmed its profit outlook for the year. Analysts say farmers have less money to spend on equipment purchases because of lower crop prices. The trend will continue through the year. Deer earnings help gauge the health of the agriculture sector. Demand for tractors usually goes up as farmers earn more for their crops. Deer shares fell nearly 5% after the earnings report was issued. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's the business of food now with Steve Alexander. Yeah, thank you. And we are number one again in Illinois. Once again, our farmers produce more of three crops than any other state in the country. Number one in soybeans, number one in pumpkins, and, well, let's see if you can guess number three. I'll give you a hint after I tell you we are sponsored by the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com. There has never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox. Every five years, the USDA does a census of agriculture. It allows us to take a snapshot in time, allows us to compare what has occurred over the five-year period. That's Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, and this year's numbers are in, and there are a lot of them, but here are some headlines. In 2017, when we did the survey, there were 2,042,220 farms. Today, the survey reports we have 1,900,487 farms. That's 142,000 fewer farms in five years. Yeah, we lost a lot of farms in Illinois, too. Mark Schleusener is a number cruncher at the USDA's Springfield office. There were 71,123 farms and ranches in Illinois during 2022, and that is down 2% from five years previously. And the amount of farmland in America? Tom Vilsack again. Five years later, we have 880 million acres. So we've lost 20 million acres. In Illinois. The average farm size was 370 acres, down two acres from the previous census of agriculture in 2017. And as I mentioned, Illinois is number one in three crops, soybeans. There were more than 33,000 farms that grew soybeans in Illinois during 2022. Pumpkins. Nearly 650 farms grew pumpkins in Illinois. And we're also number one in, uh, no, not corn. We're number two behind Iowa. We were number one in a crop that begins with H. No, not hemp. Give up? 50 Illinois farms grew more than 2,000 acres of horseradish in 2022. Horseradish. I did not know that. On the food calendar, more sugar. Today's National Gumdrop Day. Oh, and a shout out to the folks up there. It's National Wisconsin Day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. Have you heard what they're doing at Old Orchard? Uh, Chicago Business reports the owner of Westfield Old Orchard Shopping Mall has tapped local developer Focus to build out 400 luxury apartments. They want to make this a kind of 24-7 destination for people. Stephen Fleur is the Senior Vice President of Development at Unibail Redamco Westfield. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. You're on the air. Hey, thanks for having me on. So, 
uh, Old Orchard is there. Um, the apartments will be the new feature first, huh? Well, it's it's the new fe- feature next. Um, you know, what we're tre- creating at Old Orchard really, what's been the heart of the community for a long time in the North Shore from a shopping and entertainment perspective. You know, it's a place you could shop, you could entertain, you could dine, you could work. Um, and now it's going to be a place that you can call home. Um, as you said, we this milestone that we've announced with partnering with Focus Development to bring a you know a best in class residential developer uh, with our best in class retail and entertainment and placemaking, uh, we think is going to be a good marriage for what's a what's a great asset on the North Shore. Four hundred units. I'm reading everything from studios to mansionettes, whatever that means. Um, Maisonettes. So Maisonettes are those ground floor units like for about private entries. <laughs> I like mansionettes, but keep they're, going. They're going to feel like mansionettes. Don't worry. <laughs> so what, what are we looking at here? What does this look like? So uh, if you envision the property where it is today, uh, we relocated Bloomingdale's into their great new concept, Bloomies, uh, on the other side of the center. They went from 200,000 square feet down to about 50,000 square feet uh, with a great curated offer. We take the essentially the footprint of that Bloomingdale's box. We bring that down, uh, and then we have two buildings uh, that come there. Uh, so it's the the 400 uh, units that go between those two buildings. Uh, great pool deck overlooking a great new town green. Uh, because the the experience that we're creating is going to be beyond just putting apartment buildings at Old Orchard. Um, we're we're manic about the placemaking there, uh, and we know what our customer loves there today, which is the natural environment, the walkability, the Main Street feel. Um, so we're getting the opportunity to add to that uh, with the, with this additional mix of uses uh, and then adding town green and an additional activity space uh, in the mall. Can people um, sign up for these properties now? How, where are you in that timeline? I, I'm sure Focus would love uh, to, to get interest thus far. Uh, we actually, our application is going in uh, this week uh, to the town. Uh, so we'll be going through our hearings and finalizing the approvals this year. Um, we'll be in the ground next year, and yeah. then it's about uh, 24 months from there that you can move in. Yeah, right. So break ground next year and then open the door in 27 then, huh? That's correct. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people would love to live at a mall with nice restaurants, nice shopping, access to green space, but also a nice living environment, too. That's kind of the nexus here, huh? That is the nexus here, and it's, and it's really the focus of placemaking at all of our flagship retail assets. Uh, where we are doing similar projects. Uh, we really believe that bringing the community into the heart of the centers uh, really is the next evolution of these centers. Um, we're never going to forget what's at our core, which is our retail. Um, obviously, uh, that that is our long-term uh, ownership and what we've uh, invested in over the years in terms of making the place. Uh, and we really just feel that uh, adding uses such as uh, the apartment living, additional medical office, uh, even hospitality over the years uh, it would be a great benefit to the asset. It's interesting, isn't it? Because everybody's wondering what happens to malls or shopping centers. And this is a, a kind of, um, I don't know if this is the revitalization of a shopping center or the addition to a shopping center, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, some some of these things are dying on the vine. I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's definitely a tiering in centers across the country. There's certainly some centers that are going to go away. They're, they're good pieces of dirt to be something, just yeah. just not a regional shopping mall. On the other end of the spectrum, you have you have places like Westfield Old Orchard, 
which is a, a flagship retail asset. We, we have seen consistently over the years and accelerated during COVID, we've seen a flight to quality is what we say from a retail perspective that uh, as the retailers decide they need fewer locations, they want to be in the best location. And we are winning that game. Uh, we're, we're continuously reinvesting in Old Orchard. We think we have a great environment there that we want to play off of. Uh, we have some some you know great retail projects underway. We've got the Lord and Taylor box that uh, we're converting uh, into new uses today uh, that add additional entertainment lifestyle uh, to the center. And then we focus on you know this entire north end of the center about how do we begin to redevelop that to make it into a true town center. Stephen Flores, the Senior Vice President of Development at Unibail Redamco Westfield. And we're talking about what's going on at Old Orchard. Feel free to steal my mansionettes if you prefer. But um, <laughs> in the meantime, let's continue to follow this and talk down the road, Stephen. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me.